This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back in. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast as we roll on through game week number two. Spent a lot of time last episode talking about what stood out from that Wisconsin game, the victory that Penn State picked up last Saturday in the opener. Um, I would highly encourage you, uh, because that podcast didn't quite do it justice, Sean Fitz put together his second look, which is a, a pretty dynamic breakdown, in-depth breakdown of what went right, what went wrong for Penn State on the field Saturday. Wanted to make sure I put that out there for our listeners first and foremost, Sean, because great work on that piece from coming off of game one where you know, it's our first time to, to really peel back the curtain a bit and, and see who stepped up and who needs work. A good 3,000 words on a 16 to 10 game. So that was <laughs> uh, it was quite a quite a stretch. But uh, no, it's, uh, I do suggest you check it out. There's a lot in there. Um, you know, you always learn a lot more when you go back over the tape. And, and we certainly did. That's on lines247.com. That's also where you'll find every week our game week updates. Tuesdays and Wednesdays are the big days for that. Got underway yesterday with several conversations with players. We had James Franklin on for a press conference. We'll have more players. We'll have practice availability Wednesday. Um, so a lot coming your way. We're going to have a guest on just a little while from now, Steve Wiltfong. You know him because he does such a tremendous job covering the national recruiting scene for 24-7 sports. But you may not know, he also has a pretty good inside scoop on what Ball State is all about. He wrote a story in August about their rise to winning the MAC championship last year, a program that came a long way in a short period. We'll hear about Ball State's emergence, what kind of a threat they might pose to Penn State. And of course, we're not going to have Steve Wolfong on our show without talking some Penn State recruiting as well. But Sean, let's get to some roster updates uh, not a ton of, of, of information offered up by James Franklin, as you might anticipate coming off of the first week. But this press conference on Tuesday is what we'll get every 1230 on Tuesday, confirming that Jordan Stout did indeed supplant Jake Pinnegar as the full-time place kicker. We had wondered what those dynamics were. Coming out of week one, Jordan Stout was the guy. Jake Pinnegar was available but was on the sideline. That's been his job for the last three years. The last two with Jordan Stout on the roster, handling everything 42 yards and in. This time it, it comes to pure data, according to James Franklin. They gathered a bunch of information during preseason camp. They want everybody to, to know that they're competing for a job. Jordan Stout won it. Hell of a start as a punter. A lot to work on from a place kicking perspective. That goes for the entire operation execution. But this was just as simple as he beat out Jake Pinnegar. And that's a guy who's played a lot of football for Penn State since he enrolled in 2018. Certainly a big surprise when we saw him trot out there for the short field goal. Obviously didn't go as well as they expected it to go. But uh, if that's what the data says, that's what the data says. And it was interesting. I was I kept waiting for James to say, we'll continue to track it through, through practice this week. He kind of stopped short of doing that. So makes me wonder if that if it was that decisive in camp or something like that. I, you know, personally, that's, that's a lot on his plate, uh, punting, kicking off, doing field goals and not just the, the long field goals, but doing all field goals. That's, that's a lot on Jordan Stout. So be interesting to see if they continue to, to take that approach. Stout was the big 10 special teams player of the week. We re referenced that last episode. He also got those honors from Penn state staff, um, Penn state staff going with Jahan Dotson as their offensive MVP at Wisconsin. No surprise there. Defensively, they split up that honor 
Arnold Ebikadi, the defensive end, first game since coming over from Temple. And then additionally, Jaquan Brisker, of course, who, who was Superman in a lot of ways during that game. And and then on the offensive front, Sean, I, I know I think, you spent – I actually think yeah. you got that one wrong because Penn State's special teams player of the week, I believe, was Drew Hartlaw. So oh, then I did get that wrong. Team. It wasn't even the special teams player. The way at least the the graphic that I retweeted blindly retweeted said that. So, um, <laughs> well, I blindly yeah. I blindly didn't look at it. So mine, uh, mine was Crystal, but you guys know that if you follow my Twitter. So he was, right. he was terrific. But anyway, well, jo- we'll move Jordan- on. We'll move on from special teams player of the week because that's we've spent enough time on that. That's right. Uh, over on the offensive front, Sean, you, you spent a lot of time on this in your second look because there's a lot to still be desired from that group, and there's a lot to be desired from that left guard spot because the starter Anthony Wigan, I think you phrase it as shell shocked. Um, I don't know if that was on the podcast or what you wrote up, but I think that sums it up pretty well what we saw from him for a few series. Eric Wilson was the next man in and didn't come back out. And uh, you wonder what that means for week two. James Franklin saying that that they are going to combine what they saw on Saturday with what they see on the practice field this week to determine what that outlook is at left guard on Saturday. But I'll tell you what, Eric Wilson you know, made his case. He wasn't dominant out there. But when you're measuring up against the, the guy who was in there before him, it, it's hard to <laughs> reconcile, you know, with with Anthony Wigan being the better option in week two. Yeah, the, the data would point to Wilson on that, and it's not particularly close. Wigan was just overwhelmed when he was out there. I think he played three series and uh didn't didn't get anywhere in that in run blocking, pass blocking, stunt. You know, he was just completely turned around with stunts and things like that. So it was unfortunate to see, um, especially because they were high on what he did in camp. But Wilson's the experienced guy. Um, you know, maybe take some time to catch up to that. It w- wouldn't shock me if three weeks from now he was, you know, in, in the groove and playing all the time and, and doing a really good job. Um, but he's still got some work to do. Everybody, everybody up front's got some work to do. Um, no, nobody's excluded from that conversation. So um, that's, that's one of the big takeaways is you just, you got to get better up front and they got to get in the film room and work things out. I think the, the first game film, you know, being so long, you know, the, the first time they've, they've all played together being so long away from, typical coaching and typical film situations, getting them back into that and seeing that film should, should help them out. So I'm not uh, sounding the alarm or anything like that just yet, but they, they got to get better. And once again, we'll say this may have been the biggest test this offensive line will face for, for eight weeks of this season. We'll find out about that, but this is a heck of a Wisconsin front that they just faced to open the season. Uh, a lot, a lot to, to, to work on though, on the offensive front, uh, as you wrote up in your second look, um, so that's to be determined who's going to be the starter at left guard. What also is to be determined is whether three players that we were anticipating would, would play a significant role for this squad this year will be available for game two. They were not on the travel roster in Madison last Saturday. Defensive lineman Akeem Beeman, safety Keaton Ellis, running back John Lovett. We had Beeman and Ellis pegged as second teamers at their respective position, competing on that too deep. And then John Lovett has certainly been a guy that we factored in for that third running back spot, which ultimately was Devin Ford last Saturday. Uh, no clarity from James Franklin. You had I had to ask the question, though, because these are three notable players who didn't tr- go to the first game. Um, but nothing imminent. And, uh, you know, not even one of these guys was singled out uh, in terms of he'll be back. And James Franklin has gone so far to say, oh, he'll be ready for us in, in this week. He was not going down that road with me at all. And that was the end of the press conference. He, uh, How are you feeling today? He smacked you down pretty hard, didn't he? I feel pretty good about asking the question. I'm surprised no one he, asked the, the first 45 needs, yeah. minutes of the press conference about three players missing. But I, I'm glad I asked the question. However he wanted to answer it, it's it's his right to do it. He's the guy answering the questions. But I, I felt like we, we needed to at least dre- address the absence of those three guys from, from your first game. 
no no doubt about it. the question needed to be asked i'm i'm shocked it wasn't asked in the first 40 minutes or whatever we got of, of james franklin on tuesday so um yeah that's uh that's definitely one that uh, you're going to continue to monitor throughout the week we saw them all three at practice last week uh so to me that says not an injury situation not a covid situation that's an off the field situation that that needs to be taken care of and very much uh an in-house one as james franklin alluded to yesterday Something else that surfaced on Tuesday, Sean, is the new AP poll. Of course, we expect to see that every Sunday moving forward, but with the big opening weekend for college football extending all the way into Monday night, Tuesday was the day that was updated. Big jump for the Nittany Lions going from number 19 in the preseason AP top 25 all the way to number 11. Wisconsin crossed paths with them from number 12 to number 18 following their 16 to 10 loss. But Man, we, we said that this win at Wisconsin could really set the stage for Penn State to do big things. I mean, there's a long way to go, but sitting at number 11 in the country one week into a season that followed a four and five campaign, that's pretty that, that's pretty well set up, Sean. Yeah, I mean, that's about as good as you could expect. And obviously, you know, some other teams are, you know, moving up, other teams moving down, especially after some some just guys, some teams falling flat on their face in week one. Um, and now you've got like now all of a sudden you've got a top 10 Iowa team playing a top 10 Iowa State team in, in that game this weekend. So that'll be exciting. Um, but no, I mean, it's a it's a good leap. It, it shows that. Um, you know, people respect defense, <laughs> you know, that obviously if you watch that, that game, you, you came away wanting more offense, but at the same time, you watch Clemson and, and Georgia play the other day, Clemson stayed in the top 10, uh, despite that loss. So maybe there's a little bit more respect for defense coming back around and maybe, you know, maybe, I think all these teams need something more on the offensive side of the ball, but, uh, Penn state's in a, in a pretty good spot right now. I did, certainly did not have them at number 11 going into week two myself. No, and, and of course you face a risk when you open the season at Wisconsin, not a ranked opponent, but the reward at the other end, if you come away with a win, is that that is going to be an early dose of respects. A lot of teams got to go late into the season to start picking up some some momentum. Penn State has a great opportunity here. They got Ball State coming in. We'll talk about that in a bit with Steve Wolfong, a team that you shouldn't be sleeping on. And then, of course, next week, newly into the top 25, at number 25, actually, the Auburn Tigers come to town for a whiteout matchup. So, Auburn should be unbeaten when they come here in week three. Penn State can handle its business against Ball State. That's another ranked matchup with all the eyes of the college football universe, or at least many of them, on Beaver Stadium for the return of the whiteout. And you're looking at yet another springboard opportunity for Penn State. And and, and Penn State would rather be 1-0 wondering if they're good enough to be number 11 than 0-1 saying they got a moral victory on the road to Wisconsin or they got a yeah, moral victory and a loss on the road to Wisconsin. So they'll take that number 11, run with it, and, and be perfectly happy. Much easier for us to talk about real victories versus moral victories too on this show, Sean. And, and when I look at the top 25 now, there's some shuffling up top. You've got Alabama still at number one after they throttled Miami. Georgia's up to two from five after beating Clemson. Clemson drops from three to six. Ohio State up to number three from four. Oklahoma at four and Texas A&M at number five. Looking at the Big Ten, Ohio State, of course, leading the way at number three. Iowa, you mentioned their number 10. They'll play number nine, Iowa State, this weekend. What a matchup that will be. And then, as I said, number 25, Auburn still in the schedule. So Indiana drops out of the top 25 rankings. You got Auburn climbing into them. So Penn State with one top 25 victory now under their belt. Three ranked opponents, two of them inside the top 10, still ahead on the schedule. And it goes without saying, these rankings could completely dramatically change by the time these matchups actually happen. Yeah, it's preseason. It's the preseason effect. So not not surprised where anybody falls. I actually thought Michigan might be a little bit higher, um, but I think people are 
kind of taking the wait and see approach with Harbaugh. I think that's perfectly reasonable, but I thought they might be a little bit higher than 31. Yeah, Michigan technically at that number 31 spot, and, and that's the next up on the Big Ten uh, once you get by Wisconsin at number 18. Others um, receiving votes. If others you. receiving votes, yes. Uh, f- five-star mailbag time. We're going to do that ahead of our conversation with Steve Wiltfong. And this is an interesting one because in the first game for Penn State, we expected a pretty tight rotation across the field in that kind of environment. We've said for a while this freshman class in 2021, not really sure what you're going to get out of a small group there. 14 true freshmen on scholarship here at Penn State in 2021. And our question heads right in that direction. Aside from Kalen King, do you expect any freshmen to become contributors by the time Penn State is in the heart of its Big Ten schedule? I'm going to define the heart of its Big Ten schedule. Let's say by the time they get on a plane and go to Columbus for that final week of October, because that's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, the heart of the Big Ten schedule started this weekend. So, um, <laughs> but it, 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 I, I doubt it. This is not a class with a ton of early impact uh, potential. Uh, guys, especially coming in at certain positions with with more in front of them. Uh, Kalen King obviously was going to play from the jump. Uh, Caleb Brown, the corner, the walk on quarterback from the Reading area, he played on special teams right away, which is awesome. Just That's really to, cool. This is a kid that you know we highlighted a couple of weeks ago on our walk on special. Ran a four four for the staff. Was a high school quarterback. Really good athlete. Um, so for him to get out there and be able to to contribute on day one is an unbelievable story for him because uh, he just got here uh, a couple of weeks ago. So um, that, that that's really cool. Um, Kalen King, Kobe King, both both traveled. Liam Clifford and Harrison Wallace both traveled. Jalen Reed, probably that guy, that next guy that you could see being thrown into a special teams role. And I think this weekend we, we see some of these guys, if it, if it goes to the way that Penn State's coaching staff hope it, hope it goes and Penn State fans hope it goes, where you can get a lead get some of these guys in there, maybe rotate Lynn and Tangwall in there was, I tell you what, I was surprised Davon Townley made the trip. That was uh that was an interesting one because he, you know, granted he's from out in, in Minnesota. So I'm sure I may have had family come over uh, to, to Wisconsin for that one. Uh, but that, that that's, he's a project. He's not going to play this year. I mean, he might be a guy that you see sliding at the end of, at the end of Villanova or something like that, but he's a long way. And I think James Franklin said it on the radio show the other day, he's a long way from being a finished product, but um, that was interesting to see him pop up on the travel roster. Because if you know, you know, we'll get into the rules here. The big 10 allows 74 guys to travel and that's Mm -hmm. not much at all, especially when you consider you've got 85 scholarship guys. Um, So typically a lot of freshmen don't go. Some of the guys that are buried on the depth chart. And if you know, you know um, where you stand in that saying, it's that sort of thing. But uh, to, to, to see him make the trip among that 74 was, was eye opening to me. And of course, uh, of course, Christian Veyer, they're going to take all the quarterbacks that they can take. Mason Stahl was there. So they had four quarterbacks uh, along with the trip. So, uh, going back to the meat of the question, not really. Um, you, you, I, I might see those receivers start to 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 get their feet wet. We saw Cam Sullivan Brown and Winston Eubanks were out there for a couple of snaps, but for the most part, the heavy reps went to the top three guys. Um, so beyond that, I I have a tough time seeing anybody at least crack a rotation the way that Kalen King should be able to do that uh, th- through this season. Yeah, the, the phrasing here is: Do you expect? And, and I think you're, you're right on it. But, uh, I mean, what are we monitoring? We're monitoring a bunch of these guys uh, and, and seeing maybe it could happen down the road. I mean, not everybody who ends up burning a red shirt that sets that course for themselves from the start of September. Jahan Dotson a few years ago, 
that they weren't planning on burning his red shirt. He ends up starting toward the tail end of the year. Uh, of course, uh, just a couple years ago, Marquise Wilson wasn't going to burn his red shirt. They saw enough on the practice field. They saw enough confidence. He ends up playing quite a bit of cornerback during a run to the Cotton Bowl in 2019. So I, I am definitely looking at Harrison Wallace, uh, who we continue to hear good things about uh, from an athletic arsenal standpoint. And then Liam Clifford from a preparation standpoint, just because, uh, you know, through one week, very, 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 Top heavy with that wide receiver rotation, not really much of an indication. I think the opportunity to go out there and impress, get your feet wet, get some film, it's going to happen. You'd like to think this Saturday. You certainly would think September 25th when Villanova comes to town will be a really good chance for us to see a lot of these freshmen involved playing in front of a crowd at Beaver Stadium. There's something to be said for that no matter when it happens in a game. But the staff is going to be able to, to deliberate on this on a week by week basis. I think right now, though, the way this team was able to bring back so much experience um, and, and, just, and and also bringing in a very small freshman class, it doesn't add up to really make you think you're going to see a lot of first year players uh, jumping up the, the, the depth chart and getting super involved here down the stretch. Plus, when you bring in transfers, guys, not even guys like like Ebikade who came in and started, but a guy like A.J. Litton to come in and, and be mm -hmm. a gunner for you and, and do those things right off the bat kind of takes some off the plate for maybe some of the true freshmen that could could potentially get in there. Like I said, I could see Jalen Reed on special teams. You could see Kobe King on special teams. could see Tangwall getting some some reps as the season progresses and you, you still got that four game limit. So you can play in four games and still keep that red shirt. Also on the flip side of what you said, you remember Cade Wallace and Lance Dixon were two guys that they yes. initially green lighted and then they pulled it back and said, we're, we're not going to play them in more than four games. So um, you've all, I, I don't see that. I don't see anybody on this list that would be close to that or, or, potentially you know find themselves in that situation um but you never know with uh, especially with the receivers uh, that's a tight rotation on the road uh, in game one and all of a sudden you could you could open that up you could see liam clifford and harrison wallace on the field on saturday and wouldn't shock me at all so and then they could play their way to potentially being uh, a guy that burns that red shirt but from the start we kind of said this maybe lonnie white would have been one of those guys that could that could have played and could have stuck with uh you know stuck with a full green light but uh not really not really looking at it from this class. Yeah, excellent point with the transfers. You bring in six new scholarship guys. You only bring in, four, you only have 14 true freshmen now on the roster, and you retain some seniors from last year's roster that you thought you were going to leave in the grand schema that the personnel plan and the pandemic rolls through and changes that up. So, not a great spot to be for these freshmen, but they'll have the opportunities. They've got a lot of practices ahead here. Injuries are part of the game. It looks like Penn State was able to make it out of week one relatively unscathed in the medical department, but that, that is not going to hold true week in, week out. So we'll keep tabs on these freshmen. A good question, uh, very early to answer a question like this, but uh, certainly in, in comparison to last few years, we're not saying green light, green light, green light, like we've been able to kind of go down a list uh, at this time of the year. Yeah, I mean, it, it happens with some classes. It doesn't happen with other, especially when you've got guys that uh, you know this, this was a, a pandemic class, so they're probably not as familiar with with, with what they had coming in. Um, you know, obviously they like a lot of these guys. You you know, you're taking what nine scholarship guys or ten scholarship guys on the road with you. That's a that's a pretty good start, especially from a class that was only sixteen or seventeen guys. So. Um, I, th I think that that's a, a solid start, but the expectations should be low for for immediate impact. Thank you for the question. You can share yours with us up on Apple Podcasts. We look forward to getting that from you. Uh, Penn State football, Penn State recruiting. We'd love to get your questions. We'll answer it here in our five-star mailbag. Let's get into the conversation on game number two for these Nittany Lions. Ball State coming to town on Saturday for a 3.30 kickoff. First time back in Beaver Stadium with all of you. Bunch of people in the crowd once again since 2019. Looking forward to that. 
course, there is a game to be played on the field, and I know a lot of people want to look towards that whiteout matchup on September 18th, but Ball State coming off of a conference championship and to help us break them down and certainly get into some other conversations here on the Lions 24-7 podcast, Steve Wiltfong. Uh, Steve, you know your way around Indiana. We're going to tap into that a little bit here because Ball State coming to town uh, and a team that I think Penn State fans, some of them paying attention to for longer than others. Some maybe haven't really heard of Ball State going into this week. We're bringing you in because just a few weeks ago, you wrote an excellent piece breaking down the rise of this Cardinals program under their current head coach, Mike New, who is a former Ball State player. First and foremost, welcome to the show, Steve. And I I know a lot of our listeners are going to be surprised. That's the Ball State guy you're bringing on? Hey, guys. How you doing, man? We're great. Yeah, I got a chance to visit with the Ball State football program a few few weeks ago. My wife's from Muncie, Indiana. Her dad coached at Ball State and does the radio broadcast for the Fighting Football Cardinals now. And I was there for her 20-year reunion and got a chance to go up there and see their new facilities. And they got their MAC championship rings the day before. And there was a lot of energy uh, in the building over there. And this is a good mid-major football team. They are 1-0 coming off of a 31-21 victory over Western Illinois going back into last season. They've got an eight-game uh, they got an eight-game regular season win streak, I believe it is now. Um, can we start with kind of the basics here? You wrote about the rise. Where was this program coming from, and where are they going into this 2021 season? Well, back in 2017, this was a program that was losing their games by 30, 40 points, but Mike knew their head football coach. He played quarterback at Ball State won a MAC championship when he was under center, then uh, uh, went on to coach in the NFL, uh, coached with the New Orleans Saints, coached Drew Brees. When Drew Brees sent the passing record, he sent him an autographed game ball uh, as a thank you for helping him uh, along the way. And, and so I thought that was a pretty cool touch by Drew Brees. But, you know, Mike News at his alma mater, uh, he's got a laid-back, uh, positive personality that I think really resonated in the locker room, especially when they were getting served up uh, by 30 or 40 uh, not too long ago. But they chipped away at it, and, and then obviously last year exploded. And I think this is a game that's uh, going to be a nice measuring stick for them to see where they truly are uh, as, as a football program. Uh, I'm looking back at last year's schedule. They opened the year with a 38-31 loss at Miami of Ohio, and then they reel off six consecutive wins. The the MAC champions is an abbreviated season, of course. They play in the Arizona Bowl against 22nd-ranked San Jose State, and they win that game by 21 points. You talked about the laid-back atmosphere, but was there also a sense that confidence is on the rise? Because it seemed like they probably proved a lot to themselves over the course of last season. Do you feel like that momentum has been carried into another year? And they beat Buffalo in the MAC championship game, too. And that was a heavily favored ranked Buffalo team. Their head football coach, is Lance Leipold, is now the head football coach at Kansas. They had Jared Patterson, the prolific running back, uh, and, and Ball State's defensive coordinator, Tyler Stockton, in that defense, which picked off 10 passes last year and kind of had the recipe to slow Patterson down as well. Uh, it's an aggressive, advantageous defense that, that forces turnovers and plays with a ton of confidence. And this is a program that invested in their recruiting, invested in their players and developed them and brought them along. And those same guys that were losing by 30, 40 are still there right now. And and, and coach Mike New told me that they never want to go back to that. And so even when they were awarded their MAC championship rings, it was like a celebration for like 10 minutes. Then it was, 
you know, onto the season and, and, and making sure that this program doesn't take any steps backward this year because the, everybody in that locker room, for the most part, knows uh, uh, what it was like on the other side of the coin. Steve. Sean, before we get into into personnel from on the field, Tyler Stockton's a name that Penn State fans that are pretty, you know, of a certain age will remember. Class of 2009 went to Notre Dame. He's a Jersey kid. Penn State recruited him heavily. James Franklin has had him on his radar before. Where is he at as a coach right now? And what where do you think his ceiling is as a potential position coach, coordinator, eventual head coach uh, within the coaching ranks? Well, I know that Stockton had some opportunities to be a power five position coach this season, but this is a Ball State football team that brought back like 18 or 19 starters from the year before. Uh, so they were really excited about this campaign. And then I think also he's not going to, he's the play caller for the defense right now. I don't think he's going to give that up for any, just any opportunity to just move into the power five ranks. I think he, you know, he's a guy that's got a great reputation. He's very smart. Uh, uh, and uh, a lot of coaches have them on the radar. And I think that, you know, where Ball State's at as a program, he can be a little choosy of where he wants his next move to go. But he loves calm plays. He loves the players in the Ball State locker room, and he wasn't going to just leave them to go be a Power 5 linebackers coach because that's what people do uh, in, in that profession to keep moving up the ladder. He's, he, he's excited about where he's at right now. He's always always been a sharp kid on the Charlie field. We had him listed as six one though, man, back in the day. My man is not six one. No, he's certainly not. This, <laughs> this is before we started verifying that a little bit closer. Actually, he's class of two thousand nine, so he was never actually on the twenty four seven sports network. So if he would have been, we would have had that taken. We well, played of. in the All America Bowl, and uh, um, had a, I remember had a, had a good showing there. But it's there's there's definitely some more scrutinizing on on the height and weights these days, even by the college programs. Uh, oh, absolutely. You know. Absolutely. You watch Penn State this week. You know Penn State's personnel very well uh, from covering recruiting, covering the Nittany Lions. Uh, wh where do you think – who are a couple of guys on Ball State's roster that can give Penn State um, a little bit of frustration? You know, you, you expect if you're Penn State, you you want to make a statement and roll over the, the mid-major program, but there's always a couple guys on each MAC roster that, that, that could play at this level. Right. So I think that the guy that's uh, the highlight right away is Justin Hall. He's their dynamic receiver. Uh, he's a five foot nine uh, um, bottle of lightning. He's out of Georgia, uh, Douglasville, Georgia. He's a fifth year. Uh, um, has he's the, he's the career record holder with over 250 receptions, scored two touchdowns in the opener. He's a, he's a touchdown waiting to happen. And uh, to stop Justin Hall from getting the football, Penn State's going to have to intercept the ball uh, from the center to, to quarterback Drew Plitt uh, on, on the snap because they're going to find ways to, to get it to him. And uh, he was a really good player in high school, had over 70 receptions for almost 1,000 yards and 11 touchdowns uh, and, and was his region's player of the year and, and, and also uh, was dynamic in, in the return game. So he he's the guy that – Ball State can get big plays from, and, 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 and he has that kind of ability against anybody. So Justin Hall's a guy that you're, you're going to want to mark. Drew Plitt, the quarterback's a three-year starter. Uh, um, they got some guys in, in, in the running back room. Will Jones went for almost 100 yards in the opener. True freshman Carson Steele, I think he's got like a 400-pound bench press. He's from Center Grove uh, High School, won a state championship last year, was Indiana's Mr. Football 
uh, uh, had just seven carries in the opener, uh, but ripped off a 37-yard touchdown run. I think as their season continues, he's going to become more relevant for them. But Center Grove mm-hmm. plays in the largest class in Indiana and in, in the best conference. So Carson Steele's played against the Cole Brevards of the world uh, in high school and has always been successful. But you know, And Drew, he's, he's Dylan Wilfong's favorite player, right? He is. My son watched the uh, – state title game over Thanksgiving last year where he went nuts and uh, he already wants the Colts to draft Carson Steele. And I kept telling him, Hey man, uh, he hasn't even played a game at ball state. And then sure enough in his first game, uh, his guy uh, uh, rips off a touchdown, but you know, uh, uh, so their offense uh, um, has some guys that are physical and, and, and dynamic. And then, you know, on defense, they return, they return nine starters, Brandon Martin's the heart and soul uh, of that defense. And and uh, he's a former running back that converted to linebacker. And that's kind of another narrative with this Ball State football team. A lot of guys uh, played different positions in high school, but they've, they've plugged them in and, and, and put them into to different spots to just get, get some success or get as much success out of them or maximize their ability. Jalen Thomas uh, is another difference maker on defense Had nine tackles in the opener was an all conference player the year before, but they're going to try and force turnovers and they have some guys that can be potent on offense. But as much as I'm loving up ball state, Penn state should, you know, this is an opponent that Penn state should handle if they want to be the football team that they think they can be. And they've recruited towards guys. And I've been a big believer in Penn state for a while. This is a team that's, you know, knocked on the door of the college football playoff three times. They've played in three new year, six bowls. They've won a big 10 championship. Um, uh, Ball State's an opponent that is a good uh, matchup for them to prepare them for Big Ten play, which has obviously already started for them. Uh, um, but this this is a test that they should still pass rather easily. Steve, you, you should have a pretty good read on, on quarterback Drew Plitt by now. You mentioned before uh, a lot of experience. He's at almost 7,000 career passing yards, almost 900 career pass attempts with Ball State. What's kind of the read on what he brings to the field and where he might be exploitable and what he might do well? Well, he's a guy that's incredibly confident, comes from Ohio, Loveland, Ohio. His athletic family, his his sister's on the on the Ball State volleyball team, I believe. But he, you know, he's a guy that um, he 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 pushed through some of those two years ago. You know, he was on the field showing a lot of toughness and courage in some of those those close losses. So he's a hard-nosed kid. I don't think he's going to be intimidated uh, by the environment in Happy Valley. Um, and, uh, you know, the the Ball State offense has led, you know, they led the Mac in scoring two years ago. And, and then last year, you know, he was one of the more efficient passers in the country. So he takes care of the football. He knows where his guys are, knows, you know, reads defense as well. And it makes things happen. So, you know, for Penn State, you, you just want to get, like with any quarterback, you want to get him off his spot. You want to get pressure on him. Uh, you don't want him to get comfortable back there because if he is, he's going to be able to pick apart Penn State's defense. Steve, last week in Madison, Penn State struggled to move the football for much of the game, but Jahan Dotson got his at the end of the day, ended up helping change the complexion of that game. You know as well as anybody in the country what Parker Washington brings to the field. Keandre Lambert-Smith had himself a, a, a nice debut and as, as a second-year starter. And then across the board, you know the talent Penn State has. Defensively, does Ball State have a chance to, to handle what Penn State can throw their way? What is their best shot at slowing Penn State's weapons? Well, Penn State is bringing back a veteran unit, um, and so guys that are confident, guys like Ekpe who can who can get to the 
get to the quarterback, Anthony Ekby, uh, and, and they'll bring pressure from from all over the place, you know, but uh, the, with the Crosby kid and, and guys like that. But um, I think that they're going to need to force some turnovers in, in this game to give themselves a chance to win and beat an opponent like Penn State on the road. Steve, we last had you on this summer to talk recruiting, uh, Penn State recruiting. A lot has happened since then. Penn State, still with the number one class in the country, went on a mega run in July. Uh, what have you seen from the Nittany Lions in this class, and and, and what are you thinking with the with the whiteout right around the corner? What's uh, What are you thinking with Penn State? Well, I think this is a class that keeps Penn State on the trajectory of, hey, we're trying to win the Big Ten. We're trying to win more than the Big Ten. And you look, it starts with the quarterback room. I think that that's been, been a place where Penn State's obviously gotten inconsistent play since Trace McSorley has been on the roster. And I think if you look at Drew Aller and, and, and Bo Prabula, that's the best that Penn State has recruited the position, in my opinion. I think Drew Aller's got a chance to be a championship level quarterback, almost six foot five, almost 230 pounds. He's going to come in, come in physically ready to go and seeing him in several camp settings, how accurate he is from several arm angles and he can make things happen on the move and just set a county record or city record or, or something over the weekend for being a prolific passer. And, and then Bo Prabula is a good athlete. Uh, uh, Six foot two, 215 pounds. That's got a ton of confidence as well. That's going to play for his dream school that, that I think also has the traits to be a high level quarterback at Penn State. So it starts there. You got to keep getting guys like Deny Dennis Sutton. You know, Penn State, one of the reasons why they've, they're able to go toe to toe with Ohio State every year. And, and obviously, James Franklin would like to win more of those games than he has, but Penn State's been in them is because they have great pass rushers and, and guys that can be a difference in that regard. And I think Deny Dennis Sutton, he's one of the more, he was one of the more sought after defensive linemen in the country. And Penn State beats Georgia and Alabama to, to keep him in the area. Nicholas Singleton is a freak type running back. He's the type of guy that can win the 100 meter dash and the shot put uh, in, in the same meet and or in the same track meet. And, and so you have him, you have Katron Allen in, in the fold right now as well. Uh, who who runs as hard as anybody I've seen in the country. It's a, it's a good looking offensive line class already with with guys like Drew Drew Shelton uh, uh, in the fold, and then Caden Saunders is a, is a guy that can be another dynamic score on one touch type playmaker. And and so this class is obviously really good. It's ranked number one in the country. I think that they would like to add some more difference makers uh, around the line of scrimmage on, on both sides of the ball. And, uh, uh, you know, they're in on guys like Emil Wagner and, and they're, they're in on guys like Andre Roy uh, on the offensive line. And, uh, you know, I think they'd like to get a little, another playmaker at wide out, Andre Green or Darius Clemens or, or someone like that. You guys know, I should be asking you, where does Penn State want to go from here? You know, DJ Weselak's going to come to the wide out game. He's a guy that's a, uh, a high-motored player uh, on the perimeter of the defense. So uh, they're in on some guys. Penn State's not done. It would be interesting to see uh, who they finish with. I know they would love to get Tyree Sphere be back in the fold. Who wouldn't? You know, he's he's a high upside pass rusher as well from Pittsburgh, who, you know, that recruitment's going to be a wild one. But you just, got, you just want to lead on the last day for him. Yeah, Steve, um, the, with the whiteout coming up, you've interviewed a bunch of recruits coming out of the whiteout in years past that I'm sure you'll be doing that again. What kind of a, a stage is this for Penn State? So many of these players haven't experienced a game on campus. And and what exactly 
can Penn State gain coming out of this with 2023 kids in particular? Well, that's an opportunity to play an SEC opponent in your stadium for a wideout and it's pretty cool that Penn State's going to have two of them this year. And I think with no fans in the stadium last year, the fans are, are really going to embrace uh, uh, two wideouts and uh, Auburn. That's going to be a big September game. And, you know, I've covered some of these home games, the, some of these big home games for years um, and, and, and the environment and reaction from recruits. And I don't know if anything really touches the wideout. You know, I think that – the amount of people that Penn State packs in and that kind of energy is off the charts. Now, I'll tell you, I personally have not been to a whiteout game. Uh, I went to an Ohio State-Penn State night game several years ago when I was able to go to college games before I was covering all these weekends. And uh, that was a pretty uh, intimidating environment for Penn State. Hackenberg, I think, was a freshman. Y'all were ranked like 16th in the country y'all got your teeth kicked in that day. Uh, but but where I'm going with that is the whiteout might have a better environment than that. And, and it was very electric at Penn State that or at Ohio State that night. Yeah, it's one of those things that Penn State really can separate itself. And obviously you mentioned they've been on the doorstep of the of the playoff, but not quite there. That's one of those things that could play a little bit of a role in, in evening it out with some other schools. So well, yeah, you're, not- you're it's not easy to make the playoff. Not that many teams have made it. You know, Penn State's been in the neighborhood, man. And and so um, it, it was just kind of bizarre hearing the critiques of Coach Franklin last year and, and his staff. I mean, it was a weird year, but they've had a ton of success at Penn State. And a lot of people would love to be where you're at. And the good thing with Penn State is Penn State doesn't want to be where they're at. They want to, they want to go to another level. They want to play in that final four and, and, and win a national championship. And you know, it, it, it takes a little different recipe. They're not recruiting some of the no brain, as many no brainers as, as some of the schools that annually make it, but they recruit some from that. And then I think Penn state's shown with their ability to develop, they have one of the best strength and conditioning programs in the country. The NFL combine shows that year in and year out. And then they're not scared. They're not, they're sure as hell not scared of Ohio state. Every time they play Ohio State, they're ready for that game mentally to go out on the field and battle with the Buckeyes, who are obviously extremely talented and as, as talented as any program in the country. Well, a lot is uh, desired to be accomplished by James Franklin and this staff. Uh, stepping stone this Saturday, can we get a prediction from you on this Ball State-Penn State matchup, whether it's a score, margin of victory? What are you thinking about this 330 kickoff? Well, I think Penn State should win by two or three touchdowns. I mean, this is an opportunity for them to make a statement going into the Auburn game that, look, we didn't play as well as we wanted to at Wisconsin, but that was a good football team. We showed a lot of grit and toughness. Our defense was awesome. Our offense made enough plays in the second half, left some other plays out there. We're going to start playing more consistent, and it's going to start with a good opponent in Ball State. We're going to win by two or three touchdowns, and then we're going to get ready for a good Auburn team that hung like 50 on, on a, a, another MAC opponent. They played a MAC opponent week one, right? Yep, Akron, yeah. Yep, Akron. Well, Steve Wolfong wears a lot of hats for 24-7 sports. A lot of you didn't know that included Ball State beat reporter, but we turned him into one here for the podcast episode. Steve, thank you so much for your insight, and we look forward to everything you bring uh, from the recruiting content coverage all year long. Yeah, y'all take care. We'll see you on lines 247. 
All right, Sean. Well, there he was, Steve Wiltfong. Um, always great to get him on the show, not only recruiting this time, but also to get a better understanding of these Cardinals. You and I are going to give our predictions for this matchup in episode three of the week. That'll be coming up on Thursday, per usual, with our new game week setup. Um, anything else to, to kind of follow up from, from what Steve threw our way there for about 20 minutes? Nope. I think he did a pretty good job, especially getting into Penn State's recruiting and, and things like that. So worth a, worth a listen if in, in case you skipped uh, over that. Um, and by the way, we, we apologize for throwing three episodes at you in three days with the holiday. That's just kind of how it worked. And we we plan to, to, to roll a Monday, Wednesday, and then later Thursday show uh, for you in our game weeks, uh, in addition to the post-game podcast. So sorry if we gave you too much this week, but you're, you're just going to have to deal with it. Go check out Sean's second look at the Penn State-Wisconsin game to get a better understanding of where these Nittany Lions are coming out of week one. That's over at Lions247.com, where you can also follow our midweek coverage of Penn State practice, Penn State player availabilities, and a couple spots here with James Franklin, our next chance to talk with the head coach for Penn State uh, later this evening on Wednesday. That's all coming your way on Lions247.com. We'll be back with Lions247 podcast, episode number three of the week on Thursday for Sean Fitz. Thank you to Steve Wiltfong. Thank you to producer Lance Glenn. I'm Tyler Donahue. We'll talk to you real soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.